We are firing it up. Hello. Fuck it. Welcome to uh, episode 83 of uh, Brigham Young Money. And it's Kyle, interestingly. You guys thought I was dead, but I'm not. Rumors of your demise were greatly exaggerated. Honestly, they might not have been. I I felt pretty (laughs) demised. (laughs) I mean, how could you not right now? I mean, honestly. Things are good. uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't. Yeah. So basically what happened is, is I'm pretty much blind in my right eye still. And I had to, I I went to a routine eye appointment. uh, And then I learned that I had a detached retina and then I had surgery like 18 hours later. So um, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Delightful. (laughs) Yeah. Things have just been great. So um, yeah, pretty it's been about a month since I had my surgery and the recovery has kind of sucked and it's probably still going to be a little while, but at least I'm not in pain anymore and I'm out of Percocet and the combination of those two things is good. So, um, <laughs> that is, that is fortuitous timing. Yeah. yeah. Very, very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were, we were in squeaky bum time there for a while, but, um, Jordan, I know how Greg is doing, but how are you? <laughs> um, I am the only one of the three of us who's probably not going to need surgery or has just had surgery. So, you know, I think I'm uh, doing pretty tops right now. I'll be honest. Nice. Feeling pretty capital. Smelling like a fucking rose. Yeah. Now I feel like yeah. I just jinx myself. I'm going to go out tomorrow and just like, I don't know, get <laughs> T-boned by a truck or something. But you He's know what? Slip on some ice and compound fracture his ankle. Yeah, but yeah. you know what? For now, we I get to win. Uh, also, correction: this is episode eighty-four. I know you've been gone for a long time, but try and keep up, cupcake. No. Okay. That okay. Was well, that's absolutely Greg's fault for putting the wrong number on there. Um, Greg, my friend, how are you? I know things are. Uh, <laughs> my arm is about to fall off, but other than that, I'm feeling feeling real good about life right now. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, nothing nothing to be concerned about. But I'm going um, in and having the RoboCop surgery uh in a, about 2 weeks. <laughs> Come on, boys, give him a hand. Oh, man. It's tough. Yeah, well I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You come out of there looking like a new bionic man. You'll be able to ride bikes like never before. That's, I mean, that's the plan. I mean, what could possibly go wrong for a 36-year-old who has a 78-year-old shoulder? <laughs> you guys thought Greg whipped ass on a bike before. It's, it's, it's only beginning. <laughs> they're going to just – they're going to install a whip ass button like right – in the ball and socket of my shoulder <laughs> that I can just press at all times. It'll be like the, the NOS button on like, <laughs> exactly. like a fast and furious car. Exactly. It's going to be blue flame <laughs> shooting out of your ass as you just fly down the mountain. I love that for you. But, um, yeah, so, you know, things of things are, things are good everywhere. We're in the, we're in the dog days of winter as it were. Uh, it's I, I hate this time of the year so much, but February um, is the worst month. Yeah, yeah, this is the last day of Feb. Hey, and you know what? It was fifty degrees today. Um, you know what? Everything's looking up. I mean, I <laughs> I dropped my cell phone in a in the toilet like two weeks ago, and I haven't seen anything that's going on in news. And you know what? I think everything's gonna be okay. Things are yeah. good. 
honestly, I, I almost tried to do that for a while. And uh, like in the lead up to, I mean, we'll talk about it in a few minutes, but obviously there's like just the straight up war going on. I like, didn't think it was going to happen. And I tried to really like not pay attention to stuff. And then it did. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I was I was wrong. Yeah, it was really great because it's not like I had to remove like a full half of an episode of something we just recorded just because like we were not just wrong, but <laughs> wrong to the point where it's like, listen, we can't release this. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably my fault. No, it was definitely mine because I think I definitely said like, there's no way that the Russians are going to invade on three points onto Ukraine. I mean, what they'll probably do is just hold on to those two breakaway regions and that'll be it. And then the next yeah. day they invaded because i mean yeah i mean if the goal if the goal was to like weaken nato like that's certainly not not what's going to happen as a result of this but no um but anyway we'll we'll, we'll talk about stuff uh from what's going on from a local angle because of course we are uh local cast of characters have a lot to say about ukraine interestingly and um as we have seen from the last week none of us know a goddamn thing (laughs) <laughs> that's the, that's the that's the thing is like I'm just I've tried really hard. Yeah, like I, I mean, like obviously this is a very anti-imperialist podcast, very anti-war podcast, and like just as a baseline, we operate from that and a lot like our politics because I mean, like you don't have to look very hard to see who the casualties of war are and have always been. And so, like, it's never a joyous occasion when stuff like this is actually happening. And, like, there does seem to be, I, I, again, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but just the attitude I'm seeing, I've just been seeing about, like, what's going on. It's just driving me insane. And, like, I, like people, there shouldn't be any expectation on anyone to have, like, a perfect take or to be, like, like, I don't blame anyone for believing the the propaganda on, on either side, but especially like we're seeing a lot of Ukrainian propaganda because like that's an important part of war. So like I don't blame anyone for believing things. I don't blaming I don't blame anyone for like having like crazy like tweets or whatever, just because like this is a pretty insane situation. But it's just like I don't want to see people that uh, are in government also have those same like insane takes and thoughts. Like that's way worse to me than just like some dipshit like me on Twitter having a bad thought. But anyway, or a bad opinion, I guess. So, Greg, why don't you talk us through the the hell lines before we jump into hold on, our main topic? Hold on a second. We have a drop Sorry. for things just like this. I can't believe I have to keep repeating this every single time. My bad. That might have okay, been a little so, loud. God damn it, man. Here, here's the thing also is that I don't know how this is going to turn out on the actual episode, but on Zencaster, how we're recording this right now, Jordan's audio is very loud, and I think that might have just killed me. So I, I don't have eardrums bar, The bar on Jordan's like recording line is just a solid block of purple. Like There's well, no up and down. It's just that was just sound. So, so much for none of us are... are at least one of us not having surgery because I'm pretty right. sure we all need eardrum yeah. replacement surgery now. No, it sounded normal pretty. on my side. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I bet that was nice for for you. Hold on, I adjusted the sound. Let's try that again. No. Welcome to hell, 
Is it over? I had to turn my, turn my shit down. I think it's over. Okay. Is it's it over. Up? There's the block of purple again. Anyway, Greg, before Jordan does this again, can you please take the time away from him? Yeah, sure. I'm excited about these. Um, headline number one, don't say gay. So... Thursday, the 24th, the Florida House of Representatives passed the Don't Say Gay bill on a vote of 69 to 47. The bill would ban classrooms from discussing LGBTQ plus topics that are not considered, quote, age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. The bill would also allow parents to take legal action against school districts they believe to be in violation of the law. So, like, completely subjective but also like unbelievably hurtful and damaging and like the, the rights war against like gay or trans or just like really any other people than like rich white religious folks continues to be waged on all sides. Yeah. And the war on like public education as well, like yes. they'll use any type of like issue they can deem to be like fringe like that, like where, where they can see like a, a leverage point where they could potentially, um, you know, say something isn't age appropriate. Like, like it's just going to be like a flood of lawsuits against like school districts and school teachers. That's like there's already such little motivation to become a teacher in this country where they're treated like so poorly, um, except for when. I mean, they always are, but then they they will randomly get like a, you know, a lawn sign that says like a hero lives here or whatever. Um, <laughs> but like, is the lawn sign going to be worth it if you're getting like drug, like dragged to court constantly to defend why you like read a book that contained something to do with like a gay person or like the concept of racism existing? Or like, yeah, like how do you how do you define what is age appropriate when it comes? comes to like lgbtq matters uh, it's yeah. a very simple concept in these red states what you do is you take the oldest woman inside of your church congregation and then you read to her any sort of thing from uh i don't know if it's acceptable she says thumbs up if she doesn't she cries and then you know that's yeah. that's how you decide it you know if only larry miller was around to see this bill oh my god <laughs> Ugh, man, I like it's 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 so fucked, dude. It, it is. It just and it just like it really is so tough because like anyone that gets into teaching, um, you know, at like especially at like the beginning of their careers is usually pretty idealistic about like why they want to be a teacher. And I can't think of uh, better ways to drain their souls uh, more than like what has been happening in education systems for the last couple of years, especially. It's been a long, like decades long project, obviously, but like it's really turning up the heat with, I mean, like it's essentially uh, militarizing these like community school board meetings where people are just showing up being insane and like threatening teachers um, with like actual physical violence to now like literally just threatening with lawsuits no matter what they do. And like so much of this has also like led to ideas like, um, you know, like recording teachers constantly like just keeping like the most insane watchful eye over oh, literally yeah, the, anything they may or may not say in the class. fucking matt walsh tweet of a couple months ago where he was like i want there to be a camera in my child's classroom at all times so i can spy on a bunch of third graders <laughs> and make sure that they're not learning about 
anything gay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm sure the uh, nonce cam is going to work out a whole really well for everyone involved. <laughs> The not the not scam. Yeah, let's just Jesus let's just Christ open man. that up to the public, please. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a great yeah. idea. And I mean, honestly, like, let's just be honest. But like, the end goal is for education that comes to like government is it's essentially to just make everything a voucher system. It's just to kill public yeah. education to the point where it's like the yeah. state can just go like, ah, oh, we're just going to do a block grant to every single child under the age yeah. of seventeen. Like, here you go. Here's the amount of money this for schooling, and then like it never has to keep up, and the states don't have to fund it. And above all, they get to crush a public union. So you know, everyone yeah. wins. Well, yeah. not society, children, teachers, or you know, an actual educated workforce in the future. But you know, in the meantime, it seems like a pretty good idea. Yeah, yeah, we're, it's we're just, like, yeah, it's thinning the herd if we're like really yeah. being honest about it things. really is. Yeah. I mean, the whole we're like all we're back in for another like, quote, school choice debate, like very soon. Like I, I, I've i heard like it a bit just over the last couple of months. It I actually got voted down tonight. Oh, that's good. Oh, good. So Utah yeah, that, like, did was, something slightly not terrible. So shit. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, crack a cold one. Yeah, five steps back, one step forward, as it were. So, anyway, all right. Continue, moving Greg. on, another really horrible thing that are happening to our trans friends, and that is Texas Governor Greg Abbott uh, just directed Texas Family and Protective Services last week to investigate trans children and prosecute their parents for, quote, child abuse. He also ordered under threat of criminal prosecution, all teachers, doctors and nurses to report trans children. So just like, again, you know, I, when this happened, I tweeted out and said that, uh, you know, and we've talked about this pretty constantly about how the right lost the gay marriage battle. I know they're continuing to wage war on all fronts against people uh, uh, who, again, aren't your typical conservative. And this seems to be just like the latest iteration of just outright cruelty. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And this is probably, I, I, I mean, Texas has, I mean, Governor Abbott in particular is just like he's insane. a fucking psycho, man. Yeah. And like I, I don't know if this is going to be one of those bills that becomes like one of those, you know, Alec type bills that just gets passed around. But this one is just like particularly horrifying and just like deeply sickening. And like there was there was that debate online, like one of the days that I was just like really trying not to be online. There was that debate about like how, um, you know, maybe maybe quote the left or whatever the democrats oh, sh should need see seed ground or whatever culture war issues yeah it was like, like that fucking jared wiseman guy or whatever i forgot yeah exactly who it was the, the the standard debate of well you know what if we just give them this their way this time you know they're not going to come for anything else in the future i mean that's how it works right yeah like still to this day, like arguing for the right in good faith. And yeah. And like, honestly, like every single person, especially in like the liberal, like uh, journalist community, especially like Jesse Singal is a good example of this one too, who wrote article, Fuck that guy who wrote article after article about like, you know what? Are we sure that they kids need the transition? Are we sure about gender critical yeah. stuff? Like, you know, we talked to these like, people who are really gender critical in the UK and, you know, maybe just maybe there's some ideas that maybe we should consider like, no, yeah. what you did was you fed the fuel into this sort of thing and you got everything you wanted. 
So you should be happy, but instead you're whining on Twitter still. Yeah, and this is like, uh, that's such an important part of this is like really just entertaining some of like the stuff in good faith and like at face value is already seeding too much ground as it is. And we talked about this like when the the like trans sports bill or whatever was uh, up in the legislature last year. And, you know, like the idea that there was even needing to be a problem to be addressed was like already like entertaining that was 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 seeding too much ground to them because there absolutely was not. And it was it did nothing other than than to just alienate people even further. So um, and we're in for round two of that. Right. I don't know what's going on with the legislature now or if it's going to be this one or the next one. Um, Jordan, you probably know better. It's about to hit the Senate floor. Uh, HB 11, which passed the House already, which is that trans commission bill, which still is the most just like saying that just sends a chill down my spine don't they just like measure bodies and shit like it's just like yeah and it's like a super like subjective way to like assess whether or not someone is actually a certain gender which is like not horrifying at all and not definitely not going to lead to some body dysmorphia to kids who were just trying to play fucking junior high volleyball it's just again it's it's cruelty for the sake of cruelty. Yeah, it's just extra steps to make sure you don't try. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Like we already know, like as it stands, there are like no trans athletes in high school in Utah. Yeah, and, like, and it's a bill I, that's going to affect a half a dozen kids. And and like hold, hold if on. this ends up, Kira Burke had said that her daughters compete against trans athletes, and it wasn't fair. Now. Mm-hmm. Far be it for me to question the integrity of the person who decided to wear a Donovan Mitchell jersey onto the floor of the, of oh, the God, Utah man. House of Representatives. But yeah, fucking lady. are you saying that she would make up something for political gain? That that doesn't sound like the Republican Party. Yeah, and, and again, if we need to just concede to these folks because they obviously uh, deal in in good faith at all times, all the time. Yeah. But like you're like that 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 body of dysmorphia in particular and like gender dysmorphia like thinking like if there were to be like a trans athlete that wanted to play high school sports but in order to play sports they had to subject themselves to a body measurement by some like damn gym teacher or some shit like that like that's a pretty big hurdle that would uh, um, probably stop that person from attempting to do that. So yeah. mission accomplished because that really is the goal is to just discriminate against people. Oh yeah. It's, it's high school sports. It's, it's fucking soccer, Greg. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, you know, it's wonderful to make kids go through like the most dehumanizing part of the NFL combine. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. It's great to play high school sports. Yeah. And it's, and it's, Yeah. To to go on a road trip and play fucking Penguin High. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 really the thing. Is like we're talking about high school sports here. Like, come on. Um. Anyway, okay, Greg, continue. I don't know if you guys heard, but there were some new guidelines that just dropped. <laughs> COVID's <Please>. over, folks. <laughs> we are. This is this really does feel like the official waving of the white flag. Like I know we're still having like double digit deaths every day, and like yeah. you know hundreds and hundreds of cases. But you know, on Friday, the CDC rela- uh, relaxed masking recommendations for much of the country. You know, as a treat. <laughs> Rolling out the new, quote, community level metrics to guide COVID-19 precautions. Again, this is this is the foremost authority 
on infectious diseases in America. Yeah. Under the new guidelines, masks are listed as, quote, an individual prevention behavior. And the CDC now advises you to, quote, talk to your healthcare provider about whether you need to wear a mask. (laughs) That's such a funny line. Side effects may include rapid weight loss, the destroying of your lungs, shitting out your asshole. This commercial is like. And death. It's like showing a bunch of people like riding jet skis and like playing (laughs) golf. And it's this is what's playing in the background. Exactly. Yeah. Have you Masks. thought if if the novel coronavirus is right for you? Uh, sure, your lungs might turn to concrete, but hey, you know what? The, there's a person riding a horse with a butterfly flying in the foreground. Like, what's wrong with that? Have you ever wanted your last words to be... I, this definitely just feels like yes. it's the like the Biden White House trying to preserve anything before the midterms. Like... Uh, yeah. fuck it. Give up on COVID. It's over. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no I, other I explanation, right? Yeah. And I, I don't know if we're actually moving into the endemic phase. I feel like there hasn't been like, I haven't seen a ton of reporting about that at this point. I like, obviously, um, uh, Ami, Ami, the Omerion variant is like, I mean, it's killing fewer people. More people are getting it though. And we are, we're on the downturn for sure. Um, but are we doing this too early again? Like, are we going to have another variant that sweeps back? Like, I, Man, I have no idea. Who knows? I mean, you're not going to be able to enforce it anymore. Like, there's no mechanisms it's, that it's you over. can use. Like, at a certain point, like, we just kind of screwed the pooch way too many times. And it's like, at a certain point, like, no, people aren't going to do it anymore. It's over. Yeah, like red, again, yeah, like red states and the, and their legislatures like here like are tr- are moving to prevent businesses from requiring vaccinations or masks or anything like that. Is, so it's yeah. like, absolutely insane. And like I still wear a KN95 everywhere I go just because like I don't want my lungs to become harder than a fucking rock. But at the <laughs> same point too, like people aren't willing to do that anymore, and it sucks because like we're just going to put our most vulnerable people at risk. But you know what? Mm. Them's the breaks. Welcome to America. I, keep, I just, yeah, I keep coming back to like this. It really does feel like the the natural end game to a country that has atomized every person to the absolute most granular level possible. Yeah, like there there was no other way for this to like when when you have essentially killed American collectivism over the past half a century. There's no way to actually get people to come together to, to fix certain problems. Yeah. And we, we saw that play out in real time. Yeah. So not sure what's going to end up actually happening here. Like I, I, I straight up just have no idea, but I mean, Maybe it dwarves into what's going on in the world right now, but like in many places in the world right now, vaccines are still so far behind that like people are still suffering in mass from COVID and uh, like we just aren't going to hear anything about that, which kind of relates to our next topic. But like fast forward a couple months and we're going to be talking about a million COVID deaths. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, at this point in this country, we've probably already passed a million, like right. by, by like factoring in, um, you know, year over year unexpected death numbers. It appears to be that we're undercounting COVID deaths. So it's like, you know, 
I mean, we're still uh, having like, like fifteen hundred deaths a day, like officially yeah. in this in this country. Yeah, half yeah, a nine eleven every day. It's really horrifying. Yeah, um, it, it's always a good sign when you're having like three nine elevens a week. You know, that's sign of a sound country. Yeah, I mean, we're stand. Yeah, but we we are more together than we've ever been, Jordan. Which which brings <laughs> me to my to our next topic. So, like. Uh, we have two articles that we want to go through today and well one's kind of a blog post from the desk of governor cox the other one so guys was in our local paper i did a thing guys yeah i'm the governor uh so i did a thing uh that (laughs) happened dude and the other one is from Trump's former former national security advisor, um, but it's in our local uh, Deseret, uh, Deseret News, Deseret.com. The, so, the um, source of all of our content, the lovely people <laughs> at the Deseret News. The official paper of Brigham Young Money. Yes, it's what's powering this podcast. It's the, yeah, it's... It's the Russian, the Russian oil to the American uh, transportation system, if you will. But so this is from uh, Utah Governor Spencer J. Cox, and the the headline is "Utah Stands with Ukraine." And okay, <laughs> again, let me preface this by saying uh, this is a very uh, anti-Russian aggression podcast. Like uh, we, but we do need to go through. Uh, how Spencer frames a lot of the stuff and how he views what's going on because um, it's pretty great. It's it's, uh, it's pretty pretty rich. But anyway. God damn it, Greg. Says, Why'd you have to share that in Slack? <laughs> I wish you hadn't. But we'll, maybe we'll talk about that later. There's a special anniversary commemorating an iconic moment in U.S. history that you may have missed last week. February 23rd was the 77th anniversary of the raising of the flag on Mount Suribachi during the Battle of Iwo Jima. You know that iconic picture of those brave Marines who stood – I'm already like trying to not laugh because I know what's coming uh, – who stood up on top of Iwo Jima hosting the Stars and Stripes – What's remembered less often is that three of those men died the next day, and more than 6,000 Americans would die on that rugged island before the battle ended. In our family, we remember a tough Marine who cried when he saw that flag. He had been shot through the chest, taking on a suicide mission to protect his platoon in the Battle of Iwo Jima. He should have died, but a promise to give his life over to God, combined with a brother who disobeyed a direct order to bring him medical attention, was just the miracle he needed to survive. That man was Duffy Palmer, Abby's grandfather. That's his wife. Duffy was the stuff of legend. He was a boxing and judo instructor, a Marine's Marine. He got a tattoo of an anchor on his forearm and then had it removed via skin graft as a symbol of his devotion to his church. It's nice to include that. Uh, One of his faith leaders, Neil A. Maxwell, referred to him as half high priest, half Marine. He might be the toughest man I ever met. This is what he wrote when asked about that moment many years later. It rained on us a day or two there on Iwo Jima. One day, three or four days into the operation, I looked up and I saw the flag of the United States of America flying on the Mount Suribachi. What a thrill it was to see the flag. What joy it gave and great encouragement to all of us. Here I was, a big, tough Marine sergeant, which is all in caps for some reason. Yet when I saw the beautiful symbol of freedom, I cried like a baby. How beautiful it was and is to me still. 
Those posting the colors on the hill knew what they were doing, but we did not. I feel the real drama of that posting of the colors. We saw the flag and we're not afraid to show the emotion of love for the flag. How I wish every American could always have those feelings for the flag that I experienced that day. So um, not to just like interrupt this here, but when I see like symbol of freedom, this is the same time we had like every Japanese American person in the country in the camp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah, exactly. So as we get more into like how Spencer talks about what took place from this day until modern times, um, like there is a reason that this country continues to focus so heavily on very specific things that happened during World War Two and like nothing after that, because, uh, well, for good reason, I guess. His wish was a poignant one. Duffy died in 1996 and was very worried that too many Americans had forgotten that moment and countless others. Those moments that are distinctly American, those moments that saved the world for future generations and kept the American dream alive. I... Okay. I mean, <laughs> the, the amount of a historic, just the, the, the way we world, the way we view world war two in this country is psychotic. Like I, anyway, it, I, it's, it is what, the the wildest thing for me, and granted, I'm no like World War II historian, but like if you pay any attention to it, the amount of American exceptionalism that comes out of World War II is mind blowing. Like as yeah. if the Americans went into to Europe, like did a bang bang boom boom, and then all of a sudden the entire world was free. It, it really is amazing how we just phrase ourselves as the good guy, like the ultimate right. good guy. Like we had no bad intentions whatsoever, especially in World War II. Um, if yeah. you've ever been to Dugway Proving Ground, there's this place called Japanese Village. Yep. What it is, mm -hmm. is it's a it's a mock-up of Japanese civilian buildings that were placed in the middle of there in the, during World War II. Mm -hmm. The entire purpose of these buildings was to essentially test incendiary bombs to ensure which ones could burn the most to kill the most Japanese civilians. Like it's, it's great to have these wonderful stories, but at the same yeah. point too, if you don't have any context for like what America is and what it's capable of and what war is like, this yeah, is and exactly what war is like. And like, that is of course, nothing to take away from like the individual sacrifices that, so many like fucking children <laughs> like yeah. 18 19 20 21 year old kids in this country like gave that's uh, but like what america as what he describes distinctly american like what was taking place here <laughs> and yeah. like um yeah. so as, as as we continue for like you know these <laughs> Those moments that saved the world for future generations and kept the American dream alive for some people. Those moments when we wait, he, sorry, that was my editorializing <laughs> the, for some people part. Uh, those moments when we sacrificed and unified, I suspect we would find the divided America of today almost recognizable. I suspect he would find the divided America today almost unrecognizable. We didn't okay. go like five years after World War II before we started like blacklisting people as communists. Like, what are you fucking talking about? <laughs> that was the greatest generation too. Okay. Like what, yeah. wh what? And like, yep. we, we talk about this dude, like the Iwo Jima thing at the exact same time that we were attacking Iwo Jima, we were firebombing civilian cities in Japan. Uh, yeah. I remember one part from the documentary fog of war where Robert McNamara is talking about how he worked as a statistician for the 
Army Air Corps under Curtis LeMay. And what they did was they cranked out the numbers to see how you could functionally destroy cities. And in one of the conversations that McNamara had with Curtis LeMay, he just said, like, listen, if we were to lose this war, we'd all be tried as war criminals for what we're doing to these cities. And as much as, as poignant as these stories are, it's nowhere near the reality of what people go through on a daily basis during war. And yeah, we're going to get into this a little bit in the story too, but like the stories don't capture the absolute horror and trauma that is experienced in war zones. Exactly. They, we, we hear these individual stories of like seeing a flag on a hill and how much it meant in that moment, which I'm sure it did. Like, I'm sure there was like surviving these type of things. Not only is it just like what some of the most traumatizing things someone can go through. Um, but like, like you're saying, the way we view so much of this is so completely ahistoric and like from, for the governor of a state that had internment camps that had like nuclear testing and like, for that to not be any part of this picture at all of like how that it's so unrecognizable the america we had then versus the america we have now is that is that really that that unrecognizable to like what we have today versus then or is it directly correlated to the way we treat people in this country and always have like i mean conservatism today is like chasing that high of a reality that never really existed yeah i mean just to even use the analogy of the iwo jima flag raising too like ira hayes drank himself to death within 10 years of the war exactly because of ptsd so like i'm sure he had a interesting take on the war as well yeah. yeah, I uh, my my dad's uncle, so my great uncle served in World War Two and was on the uh, front lines in Normandy and apparently was an open book when it came to talking about the war. But all the way up until he died, refused to talk about D-Day. Yeah, which kind of just like puts things into perspective as far as just like how horrific and and traumatizing that is. And that is an anecdotal story. That is one story in hundreds of thousands of traumatizing stories that went on from, from Russians to Germans, to Americans, to Japanese, to just a, you know, a laundry list of different races and colors and creeds. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Well, I'll continue. Duffy was part of the greatest generation. There was nothing inherently special about that generation before the war. There was something about the evils of war and shared purpose and the sacrifice that gave us the greatest generation. They became the greatest generation when the ordinary men and women met the moment. Why does every fucking conservative have to be a fucking Weibo for baby boomers? at the same point, too, it's like it's also hiding that trauma, too. It's like it it absolutely is. Everyone has the story of like, well, you know. Uncle Uncle James, you know, he's a good guy, but uh, sometimes he gets really sad and just drinks and cries in the basement. We don't really know why, but we never really talk about it. And that's it. it yeah. Like, it's a it's it's just a constant diminishing of like what those actual realities are. And like and th- this was so much my problem of like when I first read through this, aside from some of the specifics we'll get to in, in a minute, but like just this romanticizing of just like what created this like incredible generation of people. It created broken people that like destroyed if it didn't kill them, destroyed them mentally and generationally, like through their families, like through it's it, 
it's I just hate the way people talk about this sometimes. It's just so sickening. But anyway, um, uh, let's see. Maybe let's see. As Sir Winston Churchill states, to each their to, uh, to each there comes in their lifetime a special moment when they are figurative, figurative, figuratively, my bad, tapped on the shoulder and offered the chance to do a very special thing, unique to them and fitted to their talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared or unqualified for that which could have been their finest hour. Oh. Yeah. Now it's not a surprise that many of us missed the 77th anniversary of that special moment. There was something else happening on February 23rd. That was the day that Russia invaded Ukraine. Over the past few days, we have seen women and men being tapped on the shoulder and offered the chance to do a very special thing. Fortunately, they are meeting their moment in ways that have brought tears to all of our eyes. It is breathtaking and it is inspiring. Famous people, regular people, ambassadors, boxers, school teachers, moms, all standing up to a maniacally powerful tyrant. Quote, I need ammunition, not a ride. Quote, I take these seeds, put them in your pockets. Quote, Russian warship, go fuck yourself. Um, I will mention, <laughs> I mean, like, again, like propaganda, propaganda is an important part of war. It is. I, like, I, like, and, and I think, and of course, so like every day when we see like the total, like from those early days of the, uh, like the first few days in the invasion, like we were getting reports of like the numbers of Russian uh, artillery that were destroyed or like, et cetera, like that, like the Ukrainian government's putting that stuff out intentionally. Um, whether or not they're true, we don't know. And like, as it's turned out, some of these propaganda stories like the ghost of Kiev and the snake Island thing both turned out to be not true of like what actually happened. But like these stories that come out through war are important. And uh, like, of, like, again, like I mentioned earlier, I don't care or blame people for believing them. Um, but it's just kind of funny to see it quoted in this. Um, but anyway, this is the stuff of legends, the stuff of statues, the stuff on of Mount Suribachi. This is vile stuff because what you're doing is you're fetishizing the trauma of an entire country. Yeah. And like, this is, I, it gets I, I have, <laughs> I have very different reactions to the things that he's talking about too. Same. When I, when Same. I, when I see like a young school teacher clutching a Kalashnikov rifle crying, cause she's going to go into combat. That doesn't fill me with pride. It fills that's me. That's not with, the stuff of legends. That's, that's a failure of so I mean, many things. Sorry, Jordan. Yeah, it fills me with nothing but dread. Like it's yeah, because you just know none of these people are going to be okay when it all comes out. Yeah, none of them. And this is, and <sighs> this has nothing to do with how you feel about Russia or Ukraine or anything like that, too. Like I think Russia, I think Ukraine has the right to self determination, self defense, as most nations Absolutely. do. But at the same yeah. point, too, like just seeing, I I take no pleasure in watching Ukrainian civilians. And Russian conscripts maul each other to death because two or three people are madmen. Yeah. Like that's horrific. And that's not the stuff of legends or the stuff of statues. Yeah. <laughs> it's like humanity should be ashamed. Yeah. Like this is Spencer Cox doing the Tony Soprano Gary Cooper speech. <laughs> yeah. And it just happens to be like the weakest, weepiest son of a bitch who's just like completely kowtowing to a certain audience that like eats this shit up. And it's the same thing he's doing by like pulling Russian well, vodka from from liquor stores, which we'll get there, Greg. Don't you worry, because okay, that's in I'll, here. I'll save it because I, I damn near blew a fucking gasket when that happened. Yeah, I'll, I'll save it. 
there is patriotism in it all. Not the in-your-face faux patriotism, not a selfish patriotism, like what this literal, like this whole fucking like your entire fucking self suck right now. I mean, just this, yeah. Anyway, but a humble strength, strength that overlooks a country's flaws or the flaws of its leaders and sees the good and worth the good worth saving. Strength that comes from a conviction that there is good and evil, and right will prevail regardless of the odds. But if not, we will give our lives anyway. Strength that comes from believing in something bigger than yourself. The kind of I know. Like, what you you just want these people to go run right into the machine guns of a dushka just to like make yourself feel better because like they sacrificed themselves. Like, what do you want them to do? You want to just lay in the fucking road for a T ninety to run right over them? You fucking piece yeah. of shit. This is the same guy who just a couple weeks ago took six hundred thousand dollars to build a fence in his house in Fairview because he <laughs> yeah. didn't feel safe. Yeah. Oh, the fucking. The balls, like the audacity, yeah, to the, come out and say stuff like this when you are the most like cowardly, sniveling, Kylo looking motherfucker imaginable. And the way he talks about like this war is going to have a victor is insane to me. Who wins? Yeah, there's, there, Who there wins are, in this there war? is no winning globally in this war there's certainly no winning if you're a russian soldier or ukrainian civilian 100 percent. like it's like not even not even the normal people or the like the 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 normal outcomes of war really where you say low like this side won. like that's just not gonna apply in this situation and then at even more granular granular level as you're saying jordan like russian conscripts that like civilians of ukraine like just un unimaginable loss yeah. Um, like it's the fucking Marvel movieization of our entire culture. And you're seeing it seep yeah. into this war where there's like somehow this like designated bad guy versus this designated good guy. And like everything exists on a binary and there's no sort of like casualties of war. Just like how when you see like like an epic battle scene in an Avengers movie and like nobody actually gets hurt except for the bad guys. Like there's no there's property damage, you know, but there's no, you don't actually see any of the actual like horrors of war it feels like that has like that mentality has seeped into the brains of so many people and like they are incapable of nuance or like further understanding of these like severity and the the impact and the destruction of war there are no winners in this no and even if like technically ukraine somehow manages to beat off the russian invasion and then that's it and the russians retreat like how is ukraine winning like let's think about this their economies destroyed their infrastructures destroyed they, they were already the like the poorest country in europe as well they were below this. the level they were in the soviet union they're the only uh, ex-soviet state whose gdp is lower now than it was when uh, the soviet union dissipated yeah oh, jesus and like it's even worse now because yeah it's it's crushed and like what are they gonna do yeah. So, um, okay. Uh, let's see. But uh, he was talking about patriotism and strength or whatever. Strength that comes from believing in something bigger than yourself. The kind of strength that inspires a ragtag army. 
just these descriptions, these adjectives. I just, I just can't. Like, like anyway, this is this is like, like a remake of the fucking Bad News Bears. I, I can't even make it. It's a, <laughs> I can't make it through like sentences without like. It's a it's a Valley Forge reference too. Like this is the same yeah. thing as like George Washington did. Well, yeah, uh, George well, Washington because yeah. he says, <laughs> "Wait till this next line or uh, in two lines." Uh, with a charismatic leader willing to lead them into battle, to stand up to a world superpower in order to preserve democracy and freedom. There is simply there is something vaguely familiar in it all. It feels, well, American, or at least what America can be and has been at its very best. There's nothing more perfectly American than taking some sort of tragedy that is going on somewhere else and completely internalizing it and making it about you. Yeah, it's awesome. So we like, do it really well. Motherfucker <laughs> thinks this is like like this war is like the plot to the mighty ducks. Like like yeah. Russia's like team Iceland and <laughs> Ukraine is this ragtag team USA. Red Dawn ruined a lot of brains. God it really damn, did. man, this it is really, so really did. This is unbelievably vile. Yeah. Um, like this man is showing every inch of his ass right now. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> this is the worst line. And like, if I you honestly it. think like this, you are a psycho. You are yeah. a bad person. Oh, this At least is Patrick Swayze is going to save us though. <laughs> um, so, this is it. Uh, okay. Somewhere between Iwo Jima and Kiev, we lost this thread. We argue and fight about so much stupid stuff. Stuff that melts away when we see children sobbing at their as their dads say goodbye. Stuff that doesn't matter when we see a young couple getting married so they can die together on the battlefield. Stuff that seems trivial when rockets are raining down and democracy and people are dying. It's funny that he's describing things that could also be equally attributed to the Viet Cong or like Colombian revolutionary, I mean, or Cuban revolutionaries. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's what happens generally. But like to like yada, yada, yada over like 80 years of history is something else too. like, gee whiz, where do we lose this? Like how can do spirit and teamwork and all that too? Was it in the rice patties of Vietnam? Was it when we were like funding Pinochet in Chile was it when we were pretty much funding every sort of like reactionary psycho in South America who's to say yeah yeah I, and like to turn this all into why aren't people being nicer to me when there's bigger things that can happen like the, the we fight it about so much stupid stuff it's it always, always comes back to like this unbelievably stupid fucking civility podcast or, or, or civility politics yeah and like we fight about so much stupid stuff like you know voting rights like healthcare, like trans rights like you know anti anti-imperialism in any other context other than one that's very politically expedient to to go on to not that not, not that it's wrong to support ukraine in this instance but it's like Literally, where has this where has this energy been for anything else? Like we're literally funding a genocide in Yemen currently. Like that's what's currently happening. And but but because the refugees leaving Ukraine are Christian and white and quote look like look different than 
normal refugees, as we've heard different media outlets say on like NBC and Al Jazeera and ABC or whatever, wow, these these refugees that we're seeing are they're middle class and they're Christian. They're not the normal refugees that we see. The normal ones that are brown, uh, they might be doctors, they might be uh, any other like middle or higher class occupation. So many of them are working, but they're still you know, uh, human beings, but we don't see them, uh, as we do currently, like, where's this energy ever? So like, I mean, yeah, we argue and fight about a lot of things because we don't seem to care about a lot of things. A lot of the time. I mean, we do like, I mean, that is kind of the point of it too. I mean, yeah, we, we see these horrific videos coming out of Ukraine too, of rocket attacks and bomb strikes and airstrikes and civilian centers and all that too. But We've been seeing that for 20 years. Yeah. We've seen it in Baghdad. We've seen it in Kabul. We've seen it in Yemen. We've seen it in Somalia. We've seen it in all those places. What do you think, if you ask any of the people who live in those cities who are civilians who have nothing to do with fight or anything, that who do you think their Putin is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That it uh, starts with a U and ends with a S of A, maybe. It, it's fucking insane. You're absolutely right. Like, I mean, I like I always think about like that story, like the that anecdote from like the kid. I don't remember which Middle Eastern country it was that we were destroying, but talking about how, um, you know, liking specific kinds of weather because uh, like liking the cloudy days because that means the predator drones can't be flying, like that type of thing. It's like I, you're absolutely like yeah. Uh, so much of this country has had a Putin for decades, and it's been us. So it's like for this whole skimming over Iwo Jima until February 23rd, 2022, as just like losing the thread or just fighting about stupid stuff as if none of these things relate to each other at all. And as if we haven't been on a very specific trajectory uh, in this entire country's in this country's entire existence, it's it's just it's so exhausting to like and. Above Realize all, people feel and think this way. And above all, like Americans hate having that pointed out to them too. Like that's why yeah. like DSA statement on the, on Ukraine pretty much made yeah. every sort of like online liberal go in the full psycho mode. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, if by, you even point out like maybe like, like we should be, uh, um, you know, halting the, uh, pushing the brakes on, on NATO expansion or like seeing how like, NATO expansion could have contributed at all to uh, like that was that has we knew we knew it always would be seen as an act of war to Russia. And it just continued anyway. Yeah. Um, and I posted like a letter in our Slack channel, too, that was like from like arms reduction academic journal, which was like signed by like Sanders, Bill Bradley and like Robert McNamara from like 1997 that pretty much just said like, hey, if you expand NATO, you're going to make the countries you don't expand to more unsafe because they're going to be vulnerable exactly. to expansion. And you're also going to drive the Russians crazy. Exactly. That was 1994. Yeah. Weird how things work out. Crazy. Yeah, right? and, it, and, it, and it's and it feels shitty, like even having to disclaim so many things when you point that out, because like anyone that does bring that up, like DSA, for instance, just gets like written off as like. 
Putin apologists. Like you can be anti-imperialist in all forms. And yeah, uh, two aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah, guy. exactly. Like that Pinko Kami, former Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, yeah. Anyway, it's 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 difficult. Anyway, so that like that that stanza in this thing was uh was very good. But anyway, he continues. He says, I had no idea that it would take all of us becoming Ukrainians to remind us what it means to be Americans. Dog shit sentence. What the, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it almost it's almost surreal to see Republicans and Democrats uniting again. OK, and certainly not just Americans. There is a un- unity occurring all across the world that we haven't seen since 9-11 events that, you know, uh, Came after, we're not going to talk about. Or proceeded, also not going to talk about. (laughs) For too many of us, it may feel a little uncomfortable. We haven't exercised these bipartisan or nonpartisan muscles much. Last time we agreed on bipartisanship on anything, we sort of accidentally (laughs) killed upwards of a million Iraqis. So if there's one thing that we can actually uh, come together on, it is the slaughter of people who don't live in America. God, please lean into the discomfort. We need this. Our country needs everyone. The world needs this. I also recognize that we might feel a little helpless. After all, rallying at the Capitol and removing Russian vodka from the shelves are mostly symbolic gestures. So you're admitting it. But make no mistake. you're You're admitting that you're just ginning up anti-Russian sentiment because we've seen this fucking play out how many times we saw this shit with the fucking freedom fries we saw it with like anti-Muslim sentiment (laughs) post 9-11 we saw it with the Asian community with COVID how many times did you keep pressing this big red button you stupid bald fuck (laughs) Uh, I fucking hate him so much yeah Uh, but make no mistake in times of war and evil symbols absolutely do matter just ask a young Duffy Palmer staring at the flag on Mount Suribachi because Spencer Cox is as brave as the as the troops. <laughs> yeah, taking taking like one brand of vodka that actually comes from Russia out of like our state liquor stores is as brave as charging up Mount Suribachi. Okay, here's okay, the other take thing, that, Mr. Smirnoff. Yeah, uh, well, here's the other thing. N- not well, I mean, Jordan like introduced me like so I, I like when they first announced the exe- the executive order to quote. Uh, pull Russian vodka or Russian liquor and Russian branded liquor. So that second part is really interesting to me because I, I was just th- I just assumed like Stoli vodka, for instance, was Russian. Jordan pointed out to me that it's made in Latvia, which is a NATO country, and also who's like uh, co- the company itself uh, made multiple statements supporting like in support of Ukraine, very anti-Russian company, and by their own executive order would fall underneath the. Uh, Russian branded um, liquor, I guess. But the other thing is, I went to the liquor store today just to see if they remo- removed anything. They don't appear to have <laughs> removed anything. So I don't know what's more dumb is saying they're going to do it and then not doing it or saying they're going to do it and doing it. Amazing. Um, but like all the Russian branded liquor, I mean, I like Jordan also said, he doesn't even know of like any Russian made and produced liquor we actually have in our liquor stores. And I don't know either. No, nothing like, appeared to be missing. <laughs> like 1% of vodka in the United States comes from Russia. Like 1%. And, I and we already no have idea. such a low selection in this state. It's like, 
So, like, does that symbol actually matter? Like, if if somebody no. walks in there and sees no difference at all at the liquor store, even if in the it, best case scenario they notice a difference, and then what? But what appears to be the case is that there is no difference. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> and like I shared that uh, tweet in the Slack too, where it was like the person was like having to label like every vodka brand of their liquor store with like yeah. not Russian, not Russian, in NATO USA, country, made in Latvia. <laughs> just yeah. like yeah, just absolutely peak American jingoism. And yeah, granted, like I'm I'm not a uh, an expert when it comes to pu- procurement. But like, isn't that vodka already paid for? I mean, it, yeah. So the idea is like they wouldn't order more, and it's like I, I, I don't under, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but I, I know it doesn't mean much. <laughs> it just, it always just reminds me of an the the quote about how liberals love symbols, you know, and and yeah, they don't actually do anything to to really change anything but they'll you know they'll pull they'll, they'll, they'll write black lives matter on the sidewalk by library square yeah. or they'll like pull russian vodka but they won't do anything to actually like change matters it's it's all completely symbolic to make people yeah. feel good yeah and like like as you probably notice there is nothing in this pointing out any concrete actions that uh he encourages maybe our government he's in a position of power he's a governor in this country uh he's not advocating for any type of um any type of um maybe disarmament or de-escalation paths or like literally anything in here um it's literally i mean he's flying so he goes on he says i've ordered the ukrainian flag to fly above the utah state capitol as a symbol that utah stands in solidarity with ukraine you are our brothers and sisters this day and always i have no problem with like flags like that's that's all that's all good and great like the framing of this whole thing is like one of the most insane things i've ever read and to and like for him to just be like patting himself on the back literally the whole day for writing this and like like this was picked up by like national outlets because that's what his project is and so he has scored incredibly easy points with this thing um which is also what his project is but anyway greg oh i thought you were saying you're gonna say something I'll, i'll just say this he's been chasing the high of that pulse nightclub speech yep for years Yep. Like that dude is just looking for everything too. It's like, man, I just, I gotta see if I can make national news again. Cause that was so cool. I want to, I want to be on CNN all the time. You know, and if you want to be an American and be in what I assume is close to a war zone, just try to get between Spencer Cox and a news outlet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. At least in the war zone, you might have a chance of survival. <laughs> yeah. It's uh yeah, pretty pretty insane stuff. So, um, anyway, I, like again, I don't have any problem with people. Like, I'm glad people are showing support for Ukrainian people and like going to the rallies, doing whatever. Like, all good and great. Just this, like hearing just how Spencer Cox views war in general. I, I it is so. Uh, I like. I mean, you heard our thoughts. I. I I, I've been thinking about that like all day since he wrote it and I read through it and I just have been it's it's it really makes me like physically ill to read that just because like the 
there's it is as you were saying greg like the the marvelization that it's just like the move the the way we've made movies and media in this country and glorified certain aspects of it um and then you know can like condoleezza rice can go on tv and get right to talk to her face directly about how you know uh, invading a sovereign country is a war crime and she can just nod along it's just like like the revisionism the jingoism the the quote patriotism it's just it's not patriotic to to like romanticize the 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 tra- the the most extreme human trauma possible to romanticize that kind of thing and to like wish for times past because of like sacrifices that certain people made and the perspectives that they gained but not to mention like just the destruction that it caused it's just it's i don't know only a country that could have as this many covid deaths could could have people that can talk like this because it it is just like and like a country that just lets people die constantly from like every way you can think of in this country a, a, a country that like has sponsored how many coup in launch or how many coups and like launches things like operation gladio and like you know like if you dig just like you do even like a minimal amount of reading when it comes to like the actual history of the united states for there to be any sort of grandstanding like you will die of hypocrisy poisoning yeah and I think right now too, like my big worry about all this is to like beyond like the actual like horrors of the war zone in Ukraine is that this is going to be a perfect opportunity for conservatives to push an agenda. Like, like they already have a slat of things that they can just like push really quick just because like, uh, well, because Ukraine, like I've already seen plenty of people be like, well, you know what? If, If those dastardly Russians, we have to increase oil production more. Yeah, exactly. Instead of instead of the Democrats getting out in front of this and advocating for like something like the Green New Deal as 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 a, as a way to like uh, diminish our our dependence on fossil fuels, it's going to be the complete opposite. Like where they're already getting railroaded by Republicans and any other like fossil fuel lo- loving politician, where it's like. Uh, yeah, it's the environmentalists in this country that are causing the problem. Yeah. And like our, our issues yeah. now are that like, you know, these pesky Democrats or environmentalists like won't let us drill off the coast of Alaska as much. Like we could be energy self-sufficient. That might be fossil fuels and it might be, you know, destroying bear's ears or somewhere else in like the American Southwest. But um, at least we won't have to rely on that Russian oil anymore. Yeah, here's, um, a, here's a tweet yeah. from... Sorry, here's a tweet from Spencer Cox from just three days ago. The world is a safer and environmentally cleaner place when oil comes from the United States instead of Russia. We can lower inflation, export energy, and still work towards our clean energy goals. Don't fall for false choices. This is the fucking clean coal argument all over again. It is. And and it's the same thing with like, (sighs) we're going to have like a trillion dollar defense budget now because russia was aggressive so you know we have to spend exactly far more on a defense budget that doesn't work i mean that isn't that incredible how like you can spend a trillion dollars on on uh on your military but the second you're up against an actual 
world power, a global power with with nuclear weapons, all of that is just eliminately null, immediately nullified. It's just gone. Like it doesn't fucking matter. Like, what's all that money for? If if like you literally can't, we we got to make planes that don't work. We've told ourselves this lie that we need all this stuff in order to protect ourselves, but from whom? Because when the aggressor is a nuclear power, a peer of ours on the global stage, like. All of that is useless because it doesn't matter when the other country has nukes, not yeah. to mention more nukes than we do. Honestly, so. like, <laughs> our entire military could just consist of just 10 nukes because we have two oceans yeah. between us. Like exactly. no one's ever invading. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. It's it's incredible. Like I like that. It, it's it's so st- yeah, but you're right. Like the, the funding's going up, of course, and it's like without a. But I mean, sh- shout out to the Democrats for like Eric Swalwell for fighting for important things like kicking Ooh, Russian students out yeah. of American universities. Ruben Gallegos and him. Eric Swalwell should just like fucking go away because of what they said with that one too. Because like for fully just embracing like the American ideal of something bad happens somewhere else, how can we punish someone here for it? Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. yeah. Just like I mean, internment oh, camps 2.0. I, yeah, like might might as well. I, I yeah, it's and honestly, it's extraordinary. But honestly, there's already been like test cases for that anyway too, because you've had Republican politicians, especially people like Mitt Romney, trying to close down every Confucius Institute at the college everywhere because oh, we can't trust those Chinese people. Yeah, <laughs> you know, guys, I'm really excited to get healthy. Um, after my surgery and grab my bike and go down to Moab and ride some of my favorite trails and dodge all of the uh, fracking equipment. Because <laughs> you know what? I'll be able to blame Vladimir Putin. Yeah, you're gonna be able to I, you're gonna be able to whip some ass on all those oil derricks. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited. To, I'm really yeah. excited to to put a fuck Putin sticker on my bike as I ride the slick rock trail. I'm going to do the fucking oil refinery machine. I'm going to put a, I did this, but it's Putin instead of Joe Biden <laughs> sticker. Just right on it. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I think it's important that we shrink the size of like the Navajo nation to like, a, you know, like an eighth of what it currently is. That's, I think that that's would be all, that's all we can do. And it's, it's Vladimir Putin's fault, man. So we were going to read the second article. We like went way longer than we were expecting on this. So we'll save it for next time. But it's like, I mean, it's more of the same thing where we've got like war hawks talking about the importance of, you know, standing in solidarity with with Ukraine, which um, or as he says it, uh, it might it needs to inspire a new era of global engagement. So we'll get to that at another time. But, um, you know. Is it's just it's bad times. It's it's honestly really really scary times, and I I don't know. I, I it's 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 really hard to be optimistic about certain things because this really does need to end like as soon as as possible. And I feel like we need to be doing. I mean, I I know we need to be doing everything in our power to be de-escalating things as much as we can. And I don't know. I don't think that's happening. I, I I'm. I don't know. Like, I, I really do hope it ends soon. But like, we're also just pumping, you know, tons and tons of weapons into Ukraine. And uh, when this is over, and as we continue to just like completely isolate Russia from like the West, like what happens then? Also, um, Greg, this is a great time to talk about that thing you put in the Slack now. 
<laughs> go, go right ahead. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You just uh, posted this clip from MSNBC with Hillary Clinton that's going, remember, the Russians like, oh, invaded Afghanistan back in 1980. It didn't end well for the Russians, but the fact is that a very motivated and, and then funded and armed insurgency basically drove the Russians out of Afghanistan. If, if and you're then planning nothing on- bad ever happened after that. Yeah, if you're planning on making a point about how it's good that we're uh, arming a bunch of like nationalist groups in Ukraine, you probably should not compare it to what is directly the Taliban. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, was, I was just going to say that this episode is now dedicated to the brave Mujahideen fighters of, That's the, right. of Afghanistan. Yeah, it, it really is funny, too, because one of the major groups that the CIA funded and armed during the Afghan insurgency was the Haqqani Network, which then became an integral part of the Taliban. So, you know, it's just, it's just, who's to say? Like, don't say that. <laughs> when and then is those this ever replies were like she was right about everything. It's so awesome. It's yeah. just like clockwork. Yeah. Liberals are absolutely insane. Well, actually, kind of everyone's absolutely insane now because all everyone's they, insane. All they want right now too is to see normal like Ukrainians with AK forty sevens get mowed down and then just like have a like transpose like but her emails at the bottom of it. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. ludicrous. Yeah, like it's really, it, it's really fun to like live out Russiagate all over again as if it has like anything to do with any of this shit. Yeah. Yeah, no. as if like that was going to stop fucking, anything. It's blue and on, man. So chewing on for liberals. So things things aren't things aren't good. No. <laughs> but uh well, I don't really have a second part of that. So things aren't good. Um, but I'm glad to be back with you guys. I, uh, you know, wish my first ep back was under better circumstances. But I, I mean, like, there's not a lot we can do individually. Like, obviously, you know, solidarity with the working people who are going to bear the brunt of this just imperialist conquest. And it's like... Yeah, I like I don't I honestly like we're just like literally hoping for the best. And that's like all I feel like we can do. Yeah, all we can really do is hope for. I don't even know what to hope for at this point. Like, hopefully a quick end of the conflict and hopefully casualties are kept to a minimum. Yeah, that's really that's really it. Yeah. And solidarity with with the working people affected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, um, <laughs> that's such a sad note to end it on, but it's just, it's a fucking bummer, man. I'm just like, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel good. And like, I've got it so, I've got it so good and so easy. And like, I, it just, it just feels bad. So, yeah. Um, and I can't imagine. Once again, don't take anything we say seriously. We're just three jerk offs who like, look at twitter so like by no means are we experts in the ukrainian conflict so no. please like i know like there's this weird like strain of twitter that loves to like do wins and losses on what people say on twitter with that like, no significance whatsoever yeah like if you get mad at people because they were wrong about the invasion all that too like y- you're just a bad person like yeah like it happens like i was wrong about it i know that i uh, end up to it but also there was no significance to me being wrong <laughs> yeah 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 nothing changed with you being wrong yeah absolutely like i i, I was i was saying this to 
was I saying this to you guys? I can't remember. I'm just like trying to be like a lot more uh, just like charitable to normal people just having whatever opinion about insane things that are happening because a lot of the shit that we're dealing with is so unprecedented. It's like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how people couldn't be going insane in like times like this. So it's like try, trying to be a lot more understanding with people. Um, I'm st- I, like when it comes to politicians, I will absolutely continue to just uh, talk shit to them and tell them that they're stupid when they're stupid. But I'm trying to be more understanding of of regular regular people and like the insane just like you know insane like mental shit that people have to deal with all over this country with like the conditions that people live in and have to deal with it's just like i don't know i don't know how people can stay sane yeah even people that are well off and have it good like i from there on down i just don't know how people can keep it together so anyway um but hey, just try to try to be understanding and like and show support to people, but continue talking shit to politicians because that's that's our mo. Let's focus on the positive things on life, and that's that Russia has been banned from the World Cup because we can't have human rights <laughs> violators in in Qatar. See you there. Awesome. <laughs> See you there. I'm excited uh. for that excited for uh you know 2046 and <laughs> Wait, Saudi Arabia. this is this is the the same Qatar stadium that was built with like slave labor and and yeah. all sorts of uh human rights violations yes yeah, slave labor to the point where they've had enough worker deaths it pretty much equates to 9-11 awesome yeah the well even like the, they had, the, there is something there is really interesting stuff to look into there with like the uh, it, what is literally slavery or indentured servitude with uh hiring extremely cheap labor from the uh, south pacific southeast asia and uh bringing them to qatar taking their passports not letting them go home <laughs> so well um, you know looking forward to that then u.s ally nothing can be done yep anyway so uh Stay stay healthy and sane, everyone. I hope everyone's doing okay. Uh, Remember self-care. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Practice wellness or whatever. I don't know how to do that, but I hope you guys do. There's probably YouTube videos. Go on YouTube, search wellness. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, but stop once you start getting them Nazi videos. Those are bad. Yep. Uh, <laughs> no Jordan Peterson shit, but like if you, if you do clean your room, that's also cool. But uh, Good stop night, at the... everyone. Thank you for listening. This is go. Jordan Peterson signing, signing off. off. There we go. Love to see it. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>